Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, the TVs, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I'm your host, Arturo, and every week I'm joined here for this full course meal of movies that we have. It's Zachary Shevick. What's up, Zach? <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be a, a very full course. L- lots to eat. Lots and to eat both metaphorically and literally on Thanksgiving week. It's part week. one, too. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking forward to more, the movies or the food. Well, are you a big Thanksgiving food guy? Look, are you a fan of the stuffings and turkeys and all that's, that? Pies? That's my holiday, bro. Thanksgiving. That's my yeah. that's my time okay. of the year. All right, that's what I'm always looking forward to. I think we get the best music around this time. It's fall. It's the best weather around this time. The food is delicious. What mm-hmm. what what else compares to this food? Candy at Halloween. Easter. Yeah. You don't even celebrate. None of us celebrate Easter here. So it's like Thanksgiving, hands down, is the best <laughs> one. And then this year, I know you've been really excited because we have soccer now. Football, as people would say, um, oh, all yeah. over the place. So I, mean- I think that's that's probably been the thing people have been streaming the most. Yeah, that's probably my pick for the week is the World <laughs> Cup. But yeah, nor- normally we only get Thanksgiving football, and now we got Thanksgiving football and Thanksgiving football. football. So, yeah. so uh, it's going to be really enjoyable for me, at yeah, least. It's going to be yeah. a, a pretty jam-packed week. Uh, we have a bunch of the movies that have come out this week so far. Obviously, with this uh, upcoming week of movies that starts on a Tuesday. Some movies coming out on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's going to be really confusing, but the best part is if you've been listening to Intercut, you've seen a lot of these upcoming movies, which we're going to be wrapping up yeah. at the end of the new to see uh, for this episode, but we're going to begin with a lot of the films that are out this week in theaters uh, that came out last Friday. We still got a good bunch before we get into the big Thanksgiving weekend, uh, and it's a good mix of stuff that's in theaters, stuff that's at home, stuff that's getting a wide release, so let's jump into what I think is the, the biggest release of the week that's had people making every food pun possible the menu a movie that zach was able to catch earlier this year at tiff he gave it a a recommendation but he did something that zach doesn't usually do he wouldn't tell me a damn thing about this movie he wouldn't give me an inkling he wouldn't tell me anything he's just go into it it's fun it's good i went into this movie only knowing that it was the uh writers of succession So I was like, all right, it's going to be some themes at play here. Uh, It it pretty much revolves around a bunch of rich people who organize themselves uh, and uh, appear at this island where for $1,250 a head, they get to eat crazy courses of meals from one of the best chefs possible. Only 12 people can go at a time and you can't leave until you finished your meal. But there may be something else on the menu that they weren't expecting. The cast fantastic all around the script it's going to keep you guessing throughout the entire movie but then i realized that the writers uh actually write for the onion and that's when a lot of what it was going on here actually made a lot of sense to me um zach you mm-hmm. liked it out of sundance i don't know if you had the chance to rewatch it but uh having sat with it for a while how's the how's the menu been digested with you Um, I I think it's settled okay on my stomach, although, you know, it's not necessarily the most satisfying of meals. I felt, you know, I got maybe got a little bit hungry an hour later, if if we're going to extend the metaphor a little bit further. Obviously, it's like ripe for making those types of food puns. My my rewatch review of the film was that I think it's got all the right ingredients, but maybe could have used a little bit more time in the oven because there's. A, a great cast, a lot of really sharp, funny uh, writing here, a really interesting setting as well in this like high class uh, Michelin star kind of restaurant environment and and the world of uh, you know that like cutthroat 
kitchen as well, uh, which we've seen you know elements of in the bear uh, earlier this nope. year. But I think the movie's ultimate messaging about class and about art maybe feels a little bit muddled by the end. It's not anything that makes me feel like the movie isn't good, just maybe something that kept it from being really great. Uh, but there's a lot there, and I think it actually comes together a little bit more cleanly than I expected on my rewatch. I yeah, I, I feel you. We're going to be going full spoilers because obviously there's a lot extra to add to this movie. But I think uh, if you've been watching a lot of these movies that are literally eat the rich, this takes the the eating element uh, to to one to one degree further than we've seen in other movies. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I agree yeah. with you. It's like I feel that the succession people are better at writing rich people than they are what's supposed to be the working class. And in that, I don't think that this Mm -hmm. is a movie where you're going to come out. If you haven't seen any movies ever, sure, you're going to be coming out of this going like, wow, there's a, there's a class systems that play here. Uh, But for the most part, I, I thought it, it played well as the satire that it's trying to be. Um, I've heard them pitch it as a horror and that the satire begins once you leave the theater. But uh, (laughs) the ending, while it works as a very entertaining ending to a movie, it did have me, questioning mm-hmm. a lot of the people involved within this but um for me when you go into a movie like this i think you could see it as a metaphor for anything uh any business that you're in you know it doesn't have to be a chef who's right. at this point in his career it could be a filmmaker it could be um you know any other employee from dance to anything else but nonetheless what holds this movie together besides the twists and turns is the cast uh R- ralph Fiennes, i think is fantastic in this movie nicholas holt is just so perfect to hate he just plays that smug mm-hmm. role so well and yet out of everybody in the menu i felt like i'd be him sitting there wanting to try every single piece <laughs> <laughs> that, that that there is in store yeah. i don't know if you had a, a favorite character no, I, I like taking pictures of you my know, meals. I don't know with if that I, price? I should feel indicted well, price, necessarily. Yeah, exactly. My memory's Easily. not that good. I can't remember the mouth feel of the mignonette without like a little bit of cell phone snap. Um, I, I really liked Ray Fiennes in this film. I think this is a really fun performance from him. One of the things that I mentioned when I saw it at TIFF is like I, I love in his performance where like you can kind of see the, the corners of his mouth turn up in satisfaction a couple times. Like it's the, the most subtle of face movements, but he's an actor who can really pull off stuff like that. And I I think he's a character who might have felt a little bit lost for purpose, if not given quite such a good performance. So I I really liked him. Anya Taylor-Joy is really strong. A a solid cast in general. There's a few people in this that it was just kind of cool to see uh, in this kind of movie. Um, our guy Arturo from yes, uh, Arturo Castro from Broad City has a, a fun little part in this as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's definitely one of those films that's worth taking the time to go to the movie theater. It's pr- a pretty easy recommendation. I feel like most people would be able to get something from this. It's not like a a, a movie that would be hard to find somebody to go with yeah. you to see. So yeah, uh, I recommend it full, wholeheartedly. I recommend it as well. If uh, you're out there for Thanksgiving and this is probably the trailer that intrigues the most people, I think most people will be satisfied, especially after your Thanksgiving meal. Good thriller, great cast, keeps you throughout. Uh, and we'll be talking more spoilers, so if you have any theories or any extra bits to add, right after this live stream, we'll be doing an after credits for the menu, because uh, there's a lot of different things to, awesome. to pull out of there. Everybody improv in this movie. Yeah. I didn't realize that. All of it. Even when someone was filming, everybody in the background had to come in. But Zach, would you be complaining if they were actually serving you Michelin star food for 30 days straight? (laughs) 
<laughs> it is funny, right? C- oh, condemning yeah. the people. The craft service table must have been off the hook for this Insane. movie. You didn't oh. even need to go to the table. It came to you. It must have been fantastic. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, the menu where the cast ate more than the yeah. people in the menu ate there. Uh, but I would highly <laughs> recommend it. Fun movie. Isn't it, isn't it a bit hypocritical of the movie if that's like only the stuff that the actors ate? Meanwhile, the gaffers are getting, you know, like Wouldn't that uh, be tasty insane. cakes exactly. and shit like that. So, that may be the case, but we'll talk about that in the after credits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the menu, playing in theaters. Uh, another one, and this is one that we're going to have to do in after credits once it comes out even, even wider. One of our favorites yeah. of the year. I knew Zach liked it, yeah. but I didn't expect myself to fall head over heels for Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. His newest film, uh, as people have been calling it, the new love letter to cinema. And you know what? What better mm-hmm. love letter to cinema than the guy who literally is synonymous with being one of the greatest directors of all time? This movie hits on all cylinders, not just because it is a Steven Spielberg biopic. I think if you remove him, you still have a movie that has all the tics, tips, tricks, and everything that he brings to the table. It's a story of a young boy who through his parents' relationship and the turmoils and everything that happens, leads him to becoming not just a filmmaker, the artist. I think a lot of people come into this movie going, oh, but if Spielberg didn't make you, and I'm like, no, 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 move him away from the equation. The filmmaking in this still stands. It is because it's in the context of it being the story of one of the greatest filmmakers of all time that it pushes it to honestly... No, forget a five out of five, a six out of five. This movie is something special. This is, this is the film we've been waiting for. Zach was asking me what I thought about this ending. A lot of people have spoiled this ending for me that came out of TIFF. Ooh. Yeah, and, and be careful out there because I think it delivers. Just the way it set up all of it. This is the ending we've been waiting for Steven Spielberg to do in such a long time throughout all of the 2010s. <laughs> Zach, you and I have come on this mm. podcast like many others on their podcasts or, or, or articles or whatever it is going, oh, the, the was it the Big Green Giant, whatever that was? Uh, Ready Player One? All of these movies that he's come up with that people go, is this the time where Spielberg goes back to being Spielberg? You and I have always said, not really. This is the one. Yeah, this is really like one of the great Spielberg films. I think you can put it up there in the canon uh, with some of his his best work. Maybe his best work since films like Munich. And I'm saying this as somebody who really did love West Side Story. I I thought that was like a pretty special musical uh, and pretty beautifully made. But this is better Thank than you. that, and, and I think oh, it has a lot of. I wasn't sure. I think it has a lot of the the best qualities that I loved about West Side Story. You find them here too, because Kaminsky is doing some Kaminsky things. Just, just my boy Janusz, really, really loving putting together beautiful shots for no reason whatsoever. Just the the amount of oneers that don't call attention to themselves, but start in a beautiful place and then end in a more beautiful mm-hmm. place. There's nobody doing it like them. And it's it's so thrilling to see that level of craft given to something that maybe doesn't normally get that level of craft. I think there's a general there's a general type of malaise among film goers when it comes to these like personal coming of age self-reflection types of stories. I'm seeing a lot of sentiments like, oh, another filmmaker reminding us about the power of cinema. Stop it. Stop it. It's not the same. He he is 
has a power that is way beyond what most people can do in how you put these things together. And one of the things that I was really struck by on my rewatch of it is that the 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 main complaint I've seen people have of oh. the movie is that it feels kind of episodic. That it's like it's kind of start and stop. And when you actually know what's going on and you see the little things being planted and the little bridges that are so subtly being laid that you don't see them being laid in front of you. It, it, there's he's just a guy working on a different level. It's an amazing script, one of the best scripts he's had in a while. I wish he would write more because there are just banger this line is the after first banger one? line in this What's one. What's the stat? Since like 1984, was it? Do I think it was it? like I, AI I that that was the last script he had written. <sighs> it's crazy. I, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's so much more than him telling his own life story he's he's talking about the ways in which film kind of it, he's talking about film as a conduit to learning about yes. life and i think it's so well done um yeah it, it's easily one of the movies of the year best final shot in the movie this year for sure easily it's so good that i think it's throwing people in a loop because they don't realize how so, it comes off so simplistic and it's in that simplicity that people don't know what to do. They think it comes off a little too like, that's it, it's by the numbers or whatnot. But it's in those extra details that he has in there um, that I think make it really profound. The different conversations that he has with his different family members, what everyone has to play with it, and how art uh, ends up becoming a, like you called it, a, a conduit, in a sense, his escape. Um, I thought it was profound. And look, I give it a five out of five, but I, I'm here to tell you, this little kid right here, he sucked. This old kid right here was terrible, bro. But he was a perfect prop to be the young Spielberg and what he was supposed to be with his piercing <laughs> eyes. But yeah, look, the movie's going to have those little moments like that. But it's the emotion that I haven't felt in a Steven Spielberg movie uh, to this level in such a long time. Everything that he's orchestrated throughout his career, this is the inspiration for all of that. There are some shots that he showcases in this movie and you're looking at it and you're like, wait, is this the inception? To the original shot. Alina's take coming out of this was yeah. Do you, every single Spielberg review is, oh, it's just Spielberg doing Spielberg. So this is Spielberg taking that and doing Spielberg, doing Spielberg, doing Spielberg. Knocked it out yeah. of the park. Um, yeah, th this little boy that you're mentioning, like, I feel it's he's mainly casting him for his blue eyes. <laughs> because when we, he, when we get to the 16-year-old Sammy, he no longer has blue eyes for some <laughs> reason either. He like um, contacts on or something. But yeah. man... You know what I'm talking about, though, when I mention there's that shot of the train coming towards his face, and at, from that moment, I knew we were in the right hands. I knew. It, it's, uh, that he was it's just so going to take it to the next level. There's a lot more to discuss. This scene right here is one of my favorites. Uh, I know that there's a lot of debate on the, Beautiful the approach scene. of what he takes um, with his mother. It's a, uh, it's a big relationship movie in terms of him, him yeah. and his we'll parents. We'll get more into that and on we'll After get more into for that, sure. But I want to say that a lot of people who have come out of it, I've seen them give like a, I did not like Michelle Williams' character. And then I see people watch it again and they go, oh, it's all about that. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So I would just implore you. Yeah. I, I, I don't see people getting disappointed. in. The, I, I can't fathom being disappointed in the movie or being bored in the movie, but I can't see people going like, really? Is this the best of the year? And I'd say, give it another watch. It's, it's, it's getting away with its simplicity, but it's in those little minute moments that it, it packs so much freaking heart 
Alina and I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning talking about it, and and that's why I had to give it the five star review after we finished our yeah. rant. Whenever yeah. I post that letterbox review, yeah, that was, just know that that was after like two hours, three hours of just discussing every little nook and cranny and, and what it builds up to. I cannot wait to talk spoilers with you, Zach. We have a lot of clips for this movie that are out there, and um, yes, please watch it in theaters when it comes out. Highly, highly recommend going out for it. This is my best picture front runner until we watch Avatar and Bar- uh, Bardo, I think, are our last two. This is the one I'm rooting for the most. I don't think it's going to be everyone's favorite movie. I'm not even claiming it's the best movie of the year. It's my favorite yeah. movie. I can't wait to watch it again. I want to take my whole family to see it. Oh, man. that's uh, I- I'm excited for more people to see it, too. Devesh in the live stream comments is mentioning that uh, despite its nationwide rollout, it looks like it's still in only about 100 screens. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it'll be expanding hopefully more and more as more people get to see it. But this is really one of the special movies of the year. Uh, this is one of those run, don't walk to the theater kind Easily. of movies, to not to sound cliched, but it is, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It It's the kind of movie that a movie lover... will feel heartened by will feel enlivened by will will feel reborn by um and it's just it it, it's one of those films that you leave the theater and kind of feel like you're walking on a cloud because it's really just something magical i'm doubling up on that ending too if you don't like that ending you've stopped being that child you've stopped having that childlike wonder and i hope people don't lose that I, i think that's him going back to his childlike wonder it's one of the best endings it's fantastic it's beautiful Fableman's high, high, high combo. It's so price. good. Um, I, I was also going to say, there's two things that I really wanted wanted to. Uh, I knew you would love in the film the ending and the moment with the holes. Stop, bro! Don't say no more. Don't say no more. Don't say anything else. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Michelle Williams for supporting. Uh, Paul Dano for supporting. Steven Spielberg for du- director. Tony Kushner for writing. And who am I missing? Uh, cinematography? Some people, some people got my man. Oh, Janusz, yeah, absolutely, for cinematography. Uh, I, I personally love the Judd Hirsch role. It might be a too little small. bit too small, too small, but... He is the heart of the yeah. movie. I saw some people not paying attention to that scene. That's the whole movie. That's the whole movie. Yeah, that's yeah, the whole movie. A lot of you saying that it's, yeah. it's uh, oh, it's him doing his film thing. No, you, you did not listen to the Hirsch bit. Uh, very good, very good, very good. Fablements. Highly yeah. recommend it. Uh, another quick one. We've discussed this one over uh, as a part of New York Film Festival, uh, a movie called EO that just follows this donkey. And it just follows this donkey. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one being one of the shortlisted films for the end of the year. But Zach, we had an update. We were outside of this theater when I said, I wonder what EO stands for. <laughs> and out of my mind, I said, it's a donkey movie. It's EO. It must be the noise that a donkey makes. Boy, was I struck down right before we entered this movie. We're out in public. It, it could never be. Zach, what did we figure out? <laughs> uh, apparently, this is what Jerzy Skolomanski, I, I can't pronounce the name without yeah, looking at it, uh, despite being Polish. <laughs> it's like one of those Polish names that has like three yeah, consonants in a row. I need to well, look at Jesse. it. I saw you, man. I knew exactly what you were going for, and I got it the moment you Skolimowski. went for it. Skolimowski. There we Skolimowski. go. I'm with you, bro. I knew what you were aiming for. Yeah, he, he came out. He said it. That's not what a donkey sounds like, though. Donkeys don't sound like EO. You need to spend more time with donkeys, bro. It's, I already told you. It's, it's EO, okay? <laughs> you had me doing it outside of the thing. <laughs> and I'm glad I've been justified. EO. 
based after the sound that a donkey makes, like I said, is out in limited release. Uh, this is a movie I would highly recommend catching uh, as a matinee because it's beautifully shot in this like little boxy ratio. You're literally just following this dog. Like if, if you have a pet, you're going to look at this animal's eyes and be like, yeah, I, I, I can see the humanity in there. We've said if you're fans of yeah. Gunda, if you're fans of uh, Andrea Arnold's cow, this cow. will be up there. Um, my best. Okja. Okja. Okja's the best example, actually. Um, yeah, uh, Donkey of the Year, in my opinion. I know Zach still is rooting for Jenny, but... Yeah, I got Jenny. Do, do you have your list updated? Because I know there's like a, a lot of contenders for best donkey of 2022, best film yeah, donkey I, I, of I'm 2022. Then I'm going to Donkey from Return to Return to Dust, and then I'm going Jenny. Jenny was Jenny was a good donkey. Don't get me wrong. You still need to see Return. Jen, Jenny's a very cute mm-hmm. donkey. And until I still until we get a Return, cameo yeah. in Puss in Boots, <laughs> then I'll have to rearrange my donkey uh, my donkey performances. Right. But overall, uh, when, yeah, we'll. We'll do the top five, five later five this donkeys year. Later this year, but EO, if you have the chance to catch it, it is out in theaters right now, limited release, uh, as well as another movie that you can't catch in theaters uh, before it hits Netflix. And I would personally give it the rating of uh, almost a combo price, but I, you know, it's a family movie. Take your kids early to go see Guillermo del Toro's. Pinocchio. We had an earlier one this year from Disney. Came straight to Disney Plus from Zemeckis of all people. A really great director. And I absolutely hated that movie. It was atrocious. This. This is magic, bro. This is wonder right here. This isn't trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just a better design, my G. This is exactly what you need it to be. I've seen you shared a couple of the uh, stop motion uh, behind the scenes stuff that they've done for this movie. Yeah. Which I will always do. They're always so cool to see those video montages of putting together the stop motion. It's beautiful. And it it is worth catching on the big screen for that alone. There is some just insane details in this movie. The lighting, the textures, uh, the voice acting from everyone around. Uh, this is the, the, the cricket is played by... Um, Oh, why am I blanking on him? Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. He comes in to do the voice, and I thought he did a fantastic job in... You Yeah, he's the voice, and he is not... Yeah, I don't think he's distracting at all. I think he has a lot to his performance. He had a lot of really funny quips here and there. Um, Gets to sing a little bit. And just overall, the tone of the movie is... It's perfect. This is exactly like if I had children, this is the movie I want to go take them to see. Um, I, I don't know if it's okay. at my top, but it's definitely in my top five animated films of the year. Uh, Turning Red and I'm blinging on some other ones that might still be fighting for the top spot. But this is one that I know they just sent us the screener links for. And I don't regret having gone to the theater to go see it. I would if I had it there and I still had another screen to Very go cool. to. That's where I would go experience it as well. Um, I know you haven't caught this yet. We'll be talking about it more next week. But definitely put Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio yeah. on your radar. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and I'm glad that at least one of the Pinocchio movies this year is decent. One of them was bound to be, right? Just has to. Um, what yeah. wasn't decent, at least for me, was this Enchanted. Uh-oh. Zach, what'd you yeah. think? Yeah. You know, I think we both are pretty big fans of the original. Huge. It's, like, very charming and very fun, and Amy Adams in particular is so vivacious and such a just breath of fresh air in that film. And I think where I come down on Disenchanted is, like, when we got Enchanted, the whole idea of sort of, like, a subversive kind of meta look at, like, a fairy tale or, like, princessy kind of environment was, was fresh. It was yeah. new. It hadn't really been... It, it hadn't really been done. 
just in the last couple of months, we've had the princess, we've had Rosaline, we've had Catherine called Birdie. Yeah. Like we're, it's just entering into a world where that tone isn't special anymore. And if the tone is really the only thing that separates you from the rest of the movie world, I don't know. There's not a lot going on there. There may be maybe a couple moments, uh, a couple quick jokes here and there that I chuckled at. Uh, but whatever humor they did try to inject into this thing is a lot more, a lot more base, a lot less surprising yeah. than it was in the original. Yeah. And it just feels, it feels very Disney plus. I don't know how else to really put it. it, it yeah. That difference between a the- theatrical release and a direct to streaming release. It's very evident in the ways that it feels like disenchanted cut and corners. It shouldn't be. I love the first one because you could definitely see that the filmmakers came in and had like an obsession with the Disney classics and, and put them into play. And I agree that novelty it wears off over time when you're making a follow-up. It, re- it reminds me of Scream in the sense that it's like it's coming in to do something new, but it's like the first one was able to reinvent something. You're just following the same thing again and not even with something better. Uh, I don't think it's a terrible story. I think it's something that uh, it's an interesting play on having her become the evil stepmother. Um, I thought that uh, Maya Rudolph comes in and she does a pretty decent job trying to be the villain in this movie. Uh, But we've built this pocket of these overly expensive straight to streaming movies. So, yeah, bring it up. Bring up the news. What had to happen this week because of the way that they've been rolling this stuff out. Yeah, so I kind of on the subject of Disney, uh, they are they've changed their CEO again. Again, Bob Iger is back. <laughs> well, reverted. <laughs> Bob Chapek. Bob Chapek is out. Yeah, no, I mean Bob Bob Iger after delaying his retirement for years and and pushing the can down the Red road Barton. of bringing Bob Chapek in. Uh, yeah, he he after taking I think like two years away, he's back in the chair. Uh, running Disney, I don't know if we have like the the most insights on you know CEO maneuverings. We, we tend to keep it to the content. Yeah. But how do you I'll, feel at least about the decision here from I don't Disney? Know, it's weird, bro. It's like they've known. I don't know. It feels like they brought the other Bob because they're both Bobs, right? They're both Boberts. They one of them. <laughs> not only are they both Allen? Bobs, they're they're both Robert Allens. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I, I, okay. I think Chapman was the other one. I think he was crea- Chapek was created Chapek, in a lab yeah, because Chapek. they needed someone to take the bullet for whatever they did these last two years, mm-hmm. right? And now, and now the other boy is back. So I don't know what maneuvering they have behind the scenes. Um, sounds like they needed a fall guy of some sort. We'll see how it affects everything that's out there or how they continue maneuvering and balancing their theatricals to TV. Because even some of the stuff, Strange World, that's coming out, that's gonna bomb, bro. I don't know how else to tell it to you. I've seen it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's got the. We've I don't. Yeah, it. I don't think it's got the quality. But I also don't think it's got the distribution to it because why catch it in theaters on Thanksgiving with everything else out when it's going to be on Disney Plus by yeah, Christmas? That's that's one of the things that I think has maybe influenced Bob Chapek leaving is that they've bundled they've bungled so many of their releases over the past year or two to the point where I was surprised to learn that Strange World was going theatrical and not straight to Disney you know? Plus, and, and I think. I think it's things like that where they've greenlit a lot of expensive projects that haven't hit. They've failed to sort of connect the projects that are hitting to an audience. You know, look at look at Andor right now, which seems to be kind of like the thing that a lot of Star Wars, Star Wars fans have been hoping to see. 
it's not trending on Twitter the same way that Mandalorian or Kenobi were. You know, it, it's like th- there's just sort of like a lack of um, really getting the best out of the product over the past couple of years. And I know uh, the theme park people are really upset with a lot of the decisions JPEG has put in as well. It's just, you know, getting to the point where I think Disney has upset so many of its most loyal supporters mm-hmm. that they need to at least show that they're doing something different and I, you know bringing back <laughs> tigers exactly. is kind of like the safest thing it's the safest thing because it's like oh nostalgia. no you, you like this guy nostalgia, right even this with guy the was pretty good that's bad bro <laughs> we're screwed yeah. oh man well you know speaking of people who could distribute movies i've still yet to catch this one but that's because it wasn't in my top box office i only watch the stuff that's in the top box office zach let the people know if they right. should be leaving the theaters to go support the movie that needs the most support out there she said <laughs> um i mean i think that it's not necessarily something you need to rush out and see there's certainly some people who will find a story like this appealing. Mm-hmm. And I think those people are the ones who probably went out and saw it. Uh, Cause there weren't a lot of other people as we, as we mentioned, but it's just, it's a kind of movie that I don't know if it's gonna be like the Friday night entertainment. You know, this is a little bit more of like a, it's a little bit more homework and homework is maybe not, the nicest thing to say about a film that's very well made and very effective in terms of communicating the the emotional turmoil that was caused by all the Harvey Weinstein scandals. Um, but it, it it's just like, I, I think the film is such a literal adaptation of the investigation into Harvey Weinstein that they don't really give you a little a little bit more meat on the bone. There's not enough of uh, the Megan Tui or Jodie Cantor characters played by Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan to feel like you really connect with either of them. There's not necessarily a- enough of the investigation even. It, it just sort of... It's, it's doing um, all the President's Men cosplay well, but it's still kind of like... F- working in that in that shadow and not kind of doing its own thing and uh, i don't know i think it's effective i don't want to undersell the film too much because it's it's a good movie um but it's not it's not especially when we talk about how many great movies are out right now it's not one of the the must-sees i think in theaters uh if you check see we got on the chat uh, a little cracking on the mic we'll try to get that fixed in a little bit but i did have a okay. but i did have a question in terms of you know talking about bob chapek's removal and this idea of how to manage a movie and releasing it i don't know if you got to see the hollywood reporter article out there but to recap it for some of the people there was an article out there uh dealing with the hollywood reporter really coming at this movie for its box office which to me is some of the goofiest reporting possible. No one's expecting this to do Marvel numbers, right? Uh, second to that was this idea of uh, one of the Hollywood Reporter writers decided to, like, quote tweet and say, you know, if only there was a guy who the movie wasn't trying to get at who knew how to market independent <laughs> movies. And that had to be one of the dumbest tweets of the week. But I have to ask you, in a, in a world where, like you said, you have all, these, all of these releases out, would this have done better? not going to theaters and playing the VOD market. 
Well, that's that's a question. That's a hard question to answer, right? Because it might be even harder to get people to plunk down, you know, seven ninety nine on a film that hasn't even had like a a solid theatrical run to to build hype. I, I think where maybe this movie would have worked best is like on a Hulu, which does a lot of these movies about stories that were ripped from the headlines. Um, you know, stuff like, or stuff like Dope Sick, which does really the well assistant, on Hulu. The Assistant, when that premiered um, on Hulu, which, would you say yeah, The Assistant is a better right. version of this? In terms of covering the case? I would, I would too, in that I, I like The Assistant's approach more, but The Assistant is, you know, a fictional story, yeah. and this is, this is trying to tell you the true story. I just, I prefer the more artistic rendering in The Assistant. Like, it, it's also the fact that this stuff happened so recently that there's no like real mystery or surprise in the film. It kind of just, it, it feels like being told the story that you were already told a couple of years ago. And I think that's also part of what, what removes the sense of urgency that a movie, like she said, could really use. All right. Well, it is in theaters. We'll see how it does. We'll see how it flips over. But do you see this being something that's going to carry to award season? Um, I mean, I think it might get a couple slots. I could see it picking up a Best Adapted Screenplay award for being adapted from the book, although I don't think the screenplay is necessarily one of its best features. Uh, there's been, I think there's some hype around Carrie Mulligan potentially getting in supporting actress. I, I could see that because uh, she's pretty solid in the film. It's not going to be a major awards player, and I, I think at this point I would be a little bit surprised if it cracked the, the 10 Best Picture slots. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I will say that we have another movie on this radar that is not by the numbers in any way, shape, or form. A Netflix release that may have had a theatrical run in some places. I know it played at some festivals. The Wonder. Florence Pugh's, I want to say call it a Western, but uh, drama mystery about a girl who has not eaten in weeks, months, and they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on here as they attribute it as a miracle from God. I think it is one of the most beautifully shot films, in my opinion. This should be up there as a contender for cinematography, and that's because it comes from a girl, Ari Wagner, who did Power of the Dog, one of the best shot movies of last year. And I believe this may be based off of a book, um, but I would say that even the script writing deserves something here. Uh, Florence Pugh uh, always delivers a great performance, in my opinion, and here she appears as, uh, I want to say, a nurse who's coming in with a nun in order to investigate this family. And there was a tweet earlier this week that kind of spoiled the opening frame and I found that so interesting uh, especially you know with all the LME days of realizing what footage you can or cannot show and this tweet kind of spoils like the opening frame in the movie that I think is a really cool opening frame uh, but in that it got a lot of people yeah. to watch the movie and I don't know if you saw people like Barry Jenkins were were uh, sharing this tweet and everyone was like showcasing and this tweet is literally every frame of the movie uh, about how beautiful it looks and a lot of directors participated in sharing it because it turns out that in showing you some of the movie, you can almost sell it a lot more. And it went trending. And I think this is a movie that uh, if it would have played in theaters, I don't know if it would have entered the top 10 like it was able to enter the top 10 in Netflix. So here's what right. I'm speaking of in terms of counter. Um, it's not even counter programming, counter releasing, figuring out where is the best platform to release it in. Uh, if you know that there's going to be too many people in theaters, would they stay at home to watch something? And I think The Wonder definitely... Um, excelled in being that uh ari wagner 
Netflix, November 16th. That's her date, just like last year with Power of the Dog. Uh, I want to see her. I want to see her get a nomination for this. And she got it on lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she she should continue to get recognition for that. But Sebastian Leo, Leo, also a really good director. Um, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I I liked The Wonder uh, quite a bit. Uh, I mean, yeah, I liked it good. Um, I I think. At the, in the beginning, there's like a coldness to the film that's very intentional. Uh, Florence Pugh's character is like very, uh, f- feels like she's sort of cut off from mm-hmm. other people, at least emotionally. Uh, and and then I think when the movie starts, starts to reveal itself, it becomes about something f- a little bit more disturbed than I was expecting. And that really intrigued me. So the latter half of the film, Really, really yeah. grab. It's a good script. Um, yeah, very mm-hmm. good script. Again, it is on Netflix, so you don't even have to leave your house to see one of the best movies of the year. But the cinematography is worth catching it. Out in theaters is a man if you do get the chance to do so. Uh, wrapping up, yeah. uh, a lot of little quick ones that we have here. There was this movie called The People We Hate at the Wedding. It's on Prime. You got a family who's so yeah. dysfunctional. They don't really want to get together, but they're forced to. This is the epitome of a movie where it has some funny jokes. I will never, to me, comedy is comedy. But damn, mm. do unlikable characters, uh, how, they could really ruin a movie, Zach. And this is the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those films, you know, even that title, The People We Hate at the Wedding, like, it, you want to kind of uh, relate or at least empathize with, with their behavior, but they are constantly complaining but being the pro- being the bigger problems themselves yes. and I, there are moments certainly where Kristen Bell and Ben Platt are quite funny I actually haven't really seen Ben Platt in this mode uh, so it's been it was funny to see him kind of a little bit more uh, I don't know a, a little bit more snarky at least I like what I like that was but... uh, him playing his age <laughs> right for once but yeah, like it just doesn't hit. I would but, recommend a show like the other two. Yeah, it's just like these characters. They are unlikable. Absolutely. They make their own mistakes, but they don't cross that line where they're just like irritating to watch. And I think that that's the balance yeah, in a movie. Yeah, constantly. So I don't know. This is on Prime. I would not recommend it. There are a couple of okay jokes in here, but I worry that this is where <laughs> rated also, R comedies are going to end up at. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also one of those movies where it's like, you know, oh, our mom was always so horrible to us. And then they learn that the mom wasn't so horrible to yeah. them, except that the mom was never really horrible to them in the first place. So <laughs> so what's the point what's of making point? that part of the exactly. story? So if you're yeah. curious to catch it, um, none of you know that this is out on Prime, but it is a whole movie with real actors out on Prime. Another one. That has a really big star that's over on Netflix. I haven't had the, ca- the, the chance to catch it, but Zach, tell me a little bit about Slumberland. Yeah. Uh, Slumberland is, is pretty interesting, more so than I expected, at least, given that it's got this kind of like weird Netflix digital fantasy sheen mm. that I, I don't think looks that great. But it, it's about this young girl who discovers a secret dream world where she can hop between dreams and... Uh, uncover lost treasures and stuff like that. And she's guided through this dream world by a horned Jason Momoa as Flip. And I I think Jason Momoa in this movie is like every eight-year-old's idea of the coolest person on the planet. Like he's just this wisecracking, laid-back pirate of sorts with with a cool outfit. 
Um, and to me, like, <laughs> my my at least abbreviated thoughts on this movie is it's kind of like kids bop inception. It's got that, that whole like dream within a dream mm, okay. layers of, of, uh, of diving through, uh, for your adventure, but it's, it's simplified and made kind of like squeaky and cute for slumberland. I, I dug this one. I think if I caught this at a younger age, I would have felt very transported. I would have felt like this was one of the most imaginative movies I'd ever seen. Uh, it, it's not, and it, I didn't find it to be uh, too grating, even as an adult either. There's some good performances here. Uh, Kyle Chandler has a small part in the film. Chris O'Dowd uh, was also pretty good in the movie. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good time, especially if you are looking for something to watch with a younger person. It's a, a great pick. All right, Slumberland. I would go to a movie theater Ooh, for it. Well, you don't have to because it's available. Not by myself, <laughs> no, though. Not by myself. <laughs> with yeah. with the little like doll that she's got in the movie. What's well, out of on Netflix? Uh, watch it amongst all of the Christmas releases from this week. This was probably I don't even know if it's Christmas related, but out of all the stuff that came out this week, this nah. probably would have been the one that I I would have caught if I did. Um, but instead, I saw. Blue's Big City Adventure over on Paramount Plus, the return of Blue what are you doing to going me, to the big city. Hey, Zach, look, look, look. If we're paying for Paramount Plus, we need some sort of content, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you. I grew up watching Blue's Clues. That's Alina's things. We both we both yeah. had the li- the officially licensed merchandise with the little notepad, the salt and pepper. We love Blue's Clues. Uh, there was a, a I didn't have all that. Uh, we went all out, bro. Uh <laughs> I feel like when I was watching Blue's Clues was around the time when I was still watching Nickelodeon like all the time, but I kind of knew I was too old for some of yeah. it. But I, I watched I plenty of Blue's Clues. I think I was 18. But this new one that's Steve come Era. out. Yeah, the Steve Era is uh, undefeated. <laughs> but here you have Blue going to the big yeah. city and, you know... It's not great, but in being the Blue's Clues story that you want it to be, there are little pockets that it's able to hit that are kind of cute. I don't have a problem with the new guy who they've had. I know that he's been doing a lot of the new Blue's Clues episodes as well. But honestly, like watching a lot of this, you know that they're hyping it up to be, you know, uh, a feature length film. But going back to the old episodes, bro, like it was different times. Like they were just invigorating it allows you as a as a child to like learn things it makes you feel comfortable safe uh, imaginative like blues clues i think is a reason for a lot of the i don't know creative decisions i may be making with my life today um so seeing that it's still around maybe not to the biggest effect as it was before uh is interesting to see but at least it's no clifford yeah i'll give it that yeah it's definitely better than that and yeah it, it wasn't the most painful uh, thing I, I appreciated that they made Steve a detective. Yes. Like that's that's a clever. You're like, oh yeah, they we're always into finding clues. And then they go to Donovan. And he's like, oh, he just has a store. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't find anything clever for him. Uh, what's up with all the cameos in this movie, yeah. man? There's Taboo they... shows up. Alex Winter is a cab driver for some reason in a weird, like almost ode to Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm not, I'm I not even sure who it's for because it's not like it's for the old fans and new fans that we're going to get it. But I, I don't know. Maybe some Paramount stuff that they needed to get done. Some checks that they owed people or cameos appearances. Yeah. But hey, you know. It's playing on Paramount Plus. They've had a lot of movies uh, like what's the dog one where they're cops? The uh, Paw Patrol. That Paw yeah, Patrol. that had the same day and date released. Big hit for Paramount yeah. Plus. <laughs> now they got they got another one to add to the repertoire. But uh, putting that on the radar for those yeah. who love uh, Blue Blues Clues. You got a new movie out in yeah. out in the comfort of your own home. 
They had my man Josh in the ugliest suit at the end of that movie. Yeah. Though. Like a, a, a black suit with like blue rhinestone yeah, trim. Yeah, not good. Something that, yeah, kind of kind of. But shout out Steve. You know, Steve's one of those like unproblematic per- people who yeah. we've had a long time, you know? Who was a part of our childhood? Mm-hmm. And you don't grow up and go like, "Damn, you turned into whatever a Disney star has turned into." Like, right. yeah, he's been consistent. Yeah, yeah, all the like he got addicted to heroin rumors were just rumors, right? I hope so. Bro. I think so. <laughs> I'm standing and putting yeah. it officially on this podcast as lore. Yes, he is clean as can be. Uh, maybe some salt and pepper, but but nothing too much. A quick rundown on the docs. Uh, Stutz was a documentary that came out on Netflix. It is directed by Jonah Hill, and it is a documentary on his therapist. I think it's a very interesting look at um, the advice that his therapist has given him. He's one of those therapists that doesn't believe that you go in there for him to listen to you. Then you go back home and your friends give you the advice. Um, and <laughs> while it's interesting, it's an interesting profile of him. Half of it is Jonah Hill realizing he's making a documentary and going like, oh, this is what a documentary is. And it ends up becoming a film <laughs> therapy session for Jonah Hill. Uh, I liked it. I think it's an interesting watch. I think it's a very interesting uh, figure. And it's because of Jonah Hill being such a prolific star that we're able to almost do the therapy session with him because we know so much of his life. So right. I want Zach to catch this one. I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, it's on Netflix. So very very yeah accessible. i'm very very curious about uh, it one that zach did see last week so i'm gonna keep it brief everything zach said about this one is correct this is a knockout it's a standout it's a perfect amalgamation of of just really the surface of what you need to know about uh you know yeah. black history and filmography and this isn't that is that black enough for you for yes, our audio is that black enough for you it plays as a video essay doc I would say uh, March on Rome, which we covered from Chicago, uh, and several other docs that we've covered. Um, you had mentioned you made the uh, the comparison to the folk horror doc. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of these video essay docs because it's, it's allowing you a budget, the access to these talking heads, uh, the footage to be able to look back at this at this moment in time and see the ripple effects to where it's led now. Stand out. Uh, highly recommended, just like Zach did last week over on Netflix. Yeah. We got a question on last week's stream about whether or not this documentary spoils a lot of the movies they mention. And th- there are maybe some spoilers for the films uh, that are, are uh, referenced, but I think for the most part, they're either talking about movies that most people don't really have on their watch list. They're trying to create kind of like a new canon for a lot of people. And in the other other aspect, like I think where they do choose to spoil some things are only things that are, might motivate you to go see those movies too. They're, they're talking about exclusively films from the late 60s and early 70s pretty much. So it's also not like they're spoiling stuff that just came out. They're, they're spoiling stuff that's been sitting there. And if you didn't go see it yet, maybe this is the thing that will motivate you to go see those movies. I agree with you. It is spoiling them though. I've always had this with um, Fight Club. <laughs> In mentioning the context of Fight Club, you're spoiling Fight Club, but you kind of need yeah. the context. So the question is, not everyone could have caught these movies. What if this is the first one you're watching and you're in, in co- college, right? That's the one that I've always been back. Yes, they've always been sitting there, but have they always been sitting there for you when you're this young? But are we going right. to dismiss some spoilers to really get into the heart of what needs to be discussed? Yeah, I, will never, I won't have the right. answer to that. We make video. I make spoiler videos for a living. It's something I've always had to deal with as well, but I think it's okay. I don't think it ruins the movie. Does it spoil? Slightly. It doesn't ruin the movie. In fact makes this movie so much better. 
Pepsi, where's my jet? Quick little doc, uh, not really quick, four parts <laughs> about uh, this guy who realized, yo, Pepsi's giving out a jet. All you have to do is collect these points. And they didn't put the asterisks. So I can win this jet just by collecting the amount that I need to. It reminds me of McMillions, the way that they were able to put McMillions together and uh, do this whole scheme in order to be able to get all of the Monopoly yeah. pieces. Um, it also comes from the director who did the Van Dutch docuseries over on Hulu. So he likes seeing companies oh. who do bad things. And Pepsi, well, yeah, Pepsi doesn't have a good run when it comes to ads. Uh, it's a really interesting doc. It's surprisingly produced by Theo James. I would have, I would have never thought that. Theo James, huh. yeah, time traveler himself, would be producing stuff. But, hey, he's on board here pushing this movie. And um, I'll just say that part four took me to a place where I was not expecting. Part four has a cameo and, and goes to a completely different country. And it just, like, really broadens the uh, the scope of the false and, and really prying marketing that a lot of these big corporations do. So if that intrigues you, uh, not as good as McMillions, but still a very interesting story. If you like the menu, may I recommend Love Charlie, The Rise and Fall of Chef Charlie Trotter. He's here from Chicago. He used to do a lot of very uh. fascinating stuff. This is his story of all of the ups and downs that he did. Um, you know, as a chef, I'm pretty sure he'd look back and be like, you guys are missing a couple of little ingredients here and there. But it's a good <laughs> little recap because uh, we first uh, learned a lot about him here in one of the museums. Um that, that showcased a lot of his culinary skills and him being one of the first Michelin star people here, I think, or, or I think the, the thing was that he never got it um, when he wanted it. But uh, I think it's a very, very good doc uh, about one of the most prolific chefs. My old school, we had recommended earlier in the year. It played at yeah. Sundance. And we had said that this is one of those movies where the entire thing is done from the perspective of, uh, what am I blinking on his name right here? What's, his, or what's our actor's name? Alan, Alan Cummings. Cummings. He was supposed to play him at one point. Yeah. It never came to fruition. So now he gets to voice him for the doc. So you never see this guy. And the whole thing is about this student who looked different, but they never showcased the student. I've seen a lot of fake reviews up on Hulu or up on Letterboxd that didn't finish this movie. So I implore people, if you do catch this on Hulu, finish it. Because in watching the whole thing, it makes you rethink all of it and all the interactions that these kids had up on Hulu. And finally, uh, I am Vanessa Ian. It's a story recapping uh, her family's struggle to try to find justice um, for you know a lot of the soldiers who find themselves in a lot of uh, incidents in where when they're getting investigated, the people who get to spearhead those those uh, what's it called those cases are the people who are committing them. Those yeah. investigations, yeah. So uh, it's a doc that uh, profiles her story. Yeah, this was. And it was trending through this the This was week. also one of the top trending movies on, uh, on Netflix. I mean, yeah. they, they really break down how uh, it was through social media that they were able to get a lot of the story out there because of the original I am Vanessa Ian uh, hashtag. So uh, I'd put it on your radar right. because I feel like most people know about the story. But if you haven't, I think it does a really good job putting you in the perspective of her mother and her sister and what, what they did uh, in order to get justice for her. And honestly, it's still ongoing. So. Uh, a lot of these docs out there may not be the most uh, joyful things. Uh, honestly, there's probably depressing elements to every single one of these docs, but nonetheless, uh, really interesting docs you can catch from the comfort of your own home as we move over to the TV of the week. Zach, there's a new Teletubbies. 
Man, you're putting all this child, child children's entertainment. Like, are you trying to tell me I something? Sent, I sent Is, Zach the list. You have news. I sent Zach a list, and he, he's looking at this, and he goes, "Teletubbies, Blue's Clues, boy, what are we doing this week?" It's just the new stuff that came out. <laughs> like, no kids in the horizon. Like, were you Zach. stoned when you put the rundown <laughs> no, together? No or, kids. Or? Uh, it's Teletubbies. I figured it was one of the biggest releases of the week. Yeah. I look at it, and then I see that it's 25 right? episodes. It's, 26. So 26. we both caught one apiece. Um, it's cute. Uh, for those of you who have been hoping for your PBS days to come back and you don't have, uh, I guess, an account over there, the Teletubbies are back on Netflix. That is it. That's, that's all I got to say. That's the news. That's the report right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like they've gotten a little bit more of a produ- some production value, some added production value since they made the jump over to Netflix. There's maybe a little bit of... Uh, CGI that they're they're using, okay. uh, but not a whole lot. Um, I, I definitely feel like it's solid material for when you've had a few edibles, if you unless you have kids. Um, but re- really, the thing is, like Netflix is trying to compete with Disney Plus for favorite babysitter status, right? Like it, you got you got your Blueies, and then you got your Coco your Teletubbies, and, yeah. and like. It's constantly in the top yeah. ten on Netflix. Trying to get that. Uh, so, you know, I, I it might not be for us, but there's a lot of parents and young children who I think will enjoy having it there. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely a decent distraction. There's lots of lots of nice sounds and pretty colors. I was always a Wiggles guy myself, but I will say at least they've kept it consistent, right? Maybe it's not for you, but for the most part, when I went back to the Blues Clue stuff. They've changed the Blues Clues style, what I grew up with. In the, in like the, the right. old, they turned it into Coco Melon. And I'm like, no, what's the point of that? So at least I guess the yeah. Teletubbies is not changing the formula too much. So if that was your comfort food for whatever reason, out on Netflix, you got, as I said, 26, 26 episodes to go for. The good thing on Netflix, <laughs> though, is the season, or sorry, series finale to Dead to Me, one of my favorite uh, season ones when it uh, premiered back in 2019. Um, a lot has happened since then without getting into too many spoilers, but it's two women who weren't really friends and honestly have a lot to hate about each other coming together and going through this whole journey of crime, mysteries, syndicates, all of these various things. And uh, season three, I think, knocks it out of the park in all cylinders and I think was a great ending. It's able to bring both of these mm-hmm. actresses together, still delivering the best punchlines that they possibly can. Um, I would highly recommend reading up on Christina Applegate and talking about a lot of the uh, yeah what has happened with her condition. And you, you see a lot of it at play in the series as well. But it doesn't, like, pause the series, you know? They... they the story mm-hmm. still continues and they're able to just uh, blend it in there. And I think season three really delivers uh, it's as good as season one. I wasn't the biggest fan of season two, but season three was just as good as season one. And I think it was a good way to say uh, goodbye to the to the show. This is one that because it's only three seasons, okay. I'm looking forward to rewatching in the future. Um, yeah, it's one of, one of my go to's on Netflix. Dead to me. Yeah, me. Maybe I'll have to keep going with it because I'm I'm only four episodes into that final season and I I'm feeling like it's a little more on season really? two level of okay. quality. I yeah the show I feel like the show has twi- twisted itself into so many knots that it's a little bit hard to keep things straight yes, anymore. Kinda. And it, it's it's long for me. It left the realm of like 
I gotta watch the next episode binge style television and it, it feels more firmly in the world of, of soap opera yeah. right now and it's elevated because it's got Christina Applegate and Lynn, and uh, I uh, Linda uh yeah, Linda Cardellini. Uh, for a second, I was like, "Is Linda her name or Linda her character name?" <laughs> it's like about to. It might, yeah, <laughs> might as well be. But I, I feel you, uh, Judy, uh, because I connect they, to them. They're so good yes. and charismatic that I can. Yeah, I can just watch them like act through any scene, even if it's like a yeah. boring scene. They'll make it fun and interesting. But when we just talk about like the all the the twists and all the bending over backwards, the story has to do to try and keep the momentum going forward. That I'm a little bit run out of. Uh, I've run out of energy for that yeah. stuff. I guess, at least. But I still like them. I agree with you. I'm not there for the for the yeah. story anymore. As much as I'm just hanging out with them, so for that, it's also one of the big reasons why I'm looking That's forward fair. to revisiting it. If it was just a story, um, I would know the beats. Right. But it, I really just love them and their friendship together. So that to me, season yeah, three. They're great. On Hulu, though, there was a little show uh, that is premiering on a weekly basis, and it's got two out so far. A miniseries called Fleshman is in Trouble. You listen to the podcast. I've seen yeah. the first two episodes. It's Jesse Eisenberg getting a lot of booty. He gets a divorce and he realizes, <laughs> look at these apps, and he's able to go crazy. Uh, yeah. the be- it's beautifully shot, great acting, but what I love the most about it is that nice. after his divorce, he's rekindling his friendships with, um, oh, where am I blinging them? Adam Brody and Lizzie Kaplan. They're the best part of the show. I, I love seeing their. Fr- I love just seeing them talk in nice. diners. Uh, what they're able to 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 just like go off of each other and uh, honestly, it's because they're all all three of them are Jewish that they get into these pockets that only they can having that same like uh, you know the the, the cultural similarities. Um, they knock it out of the park. They they're the reason why I, I, I'm looking forward to catching this on a weekly basis, which I was not expecting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but how is the podcast? Because I didn't I had no idea this was based on a podcast. Well, it seems like this man only works on stuff. It's it's a novel okay seems like this man only works on audiobooks yeah <laughs> well it's so it's a novel uh, written by taffy brodesser ackner okay uh and i think it was on a lot of best novels of 2020 list i i saw it was uh you know all those like new yorker recommends and stuff like that it's on all of those lists i've been seeing people uh bubble up and saying they really enjoyed the book uh, so I downloaded the audiobook, just my preferred method for for reading quotation marks. Um, but like right off the bat, it's really got that neurosis kind of energy. It feels a lot like uh, when you finish Saving the World, the Jesse Eisenberg podcast that we listened to, uh, and also was adapted into a movie. So like right away, you can kind of tell that Jesse Eisenberg is like a perfect fit for this. Uh, this character, but I really, I, I really appreciate all the details that are put into the books. It's one of those books that's like very, very acutely observes characters down to like their fashion and hairstyle choices and what that says about their personalities. And I, I'm curious how some of that stuff ends uh, ultimately translates into the book. You know, even you mentioned that he's like on the apps, he he's dating lots of women. That that's something that the book starts out with and so much of that are these like very funny lists of adjectives and and like montages of of women and i'm very i feel like there's a way to just directly translate to the, that to the screen that would be really fun so you saying that you like it so far makes me makes me more excited I, for it I, uh, i'm trying to listen to the audiobook before i start the series but I don't know. I'm running out of time. I'll do it in reverse. Um, Well, you still got time. It'll be weekly, but uh, what you said sounds like they go into a little bit more detail. It's cool how they do it in the show. What you're describing sounds a little bit more fascinating, so I'm I'm, I'm excited to catch that. But uh, Flash has been pretty good. 
I was not expecting to like it as much nice. as I have, but I would recommend it. Put it on your radar over on Hulu through their FX thing that they've got going. I guess that just means it's not. That means cool. it's got a little extra stamp of approval, I suppose. Uh, Z-Wave right. has come back for season two. Yeah. B, I think, because <laughs> it's still kind of like the same episodes. But uh, this time around, she's yeah. got uh, the most recent one has been with Saturday Night Live. He does the news. Michael, Michael Che. You know, she's undefeated, was undefeated until last last yeah. last season's uh, episode against the boy. Uh, Broad City comedian, own right, took down Cosby single handedly. Some would say, "What's his name?" Oh, Hannibal? I'm sorry, but Hannibal Burris went one zero on that one. That's how me. I know people were split, <laughs> but if you're taking it to Twitter and people are split, hey, at minimum it's a tie. On your own on show. On your own show. She wins the one against um, um, Uncut Gems. Oh, Julia Fox. Yeah, she yeah. mopped her. That's easy. That's easy. That's an easy one to do. But getting Michael Che on there. I'll, yeah, that's bra- bad yeah, practice. Yeah, when Michael Che came on there, Z-way. I don't know. If your guest has your own crew laughing a little bit more than your own jokes, ooh, <laughs> you're getting in a little trouble. But look, I love that she's going out of her comfort mm-hmm. zone to have some people in here are going to push her back. That's what right. you need. Um, she does win it, in my opinion. She has... As my judge. I, yeah. I do think she wins She has it. the most entertaining... She has the most entertaining interviews in late Easily, night right because now. she's willing to push the buttons. It doesn't yeah. feel like this pre-rehearsed thing in order to push somebody. If you want to be there to push the book, uh, Radajowski, then they're going to go through every single up and down in your social media history and whatnot. Uh, you do not need Showtime to watch this. In fact, Showtime is so dumb that you can catch these episodes before they hit Showtime on Sundays on her freaking YouTube channel on Fridays. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. I don't get it. Don't get Showtime. Just watch it there because it's even the better part. You 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 stick to just the interviews there. So Z-Way, uh, she's been hilarious. There are sometimes where she loses, but for the most part, she comes in and is always able to do something creative with it. Uh, catch catch her on uh, on her YouTube channel <laughs> so you can save some money. Yeah. Uh, but finally, the last thing that we have right here is the biggest release of Netflix this week: a whole series from the creators of Dark, eighteen ninety nine. I think we're both. Uh, I know you're excited you know for I this was one. Excited for this one. Uh, I'm not yeah. done with it because I want kind of everything else before. This is the one that I sit down and truly consume, and I'm in the midst of consuming this. Yeah, it's crazy story, right? It's it's dense. I don't Beautiful. think this is like. Uh, the kind of show where you want to watch 10 hours you in a can't. row. You can't. And it's not just people who yeah. have made like a really complex story in the three seasons that they did with Dark. Netflix said, hey, who do you want from like all of the series that we've had here? And they collected people from everywhere. This is a show that has some people from Elite. So they're speaking Spanish. You got the people who are speaking different languages, people speaking Mandarin, people speaking English. It's insane. This is like what we always say. Why doesn't yeah. a show go all out and do this? they have the sets mm-hmm. are crazy the vfx work all of these little intricacies here and there this mystery that's happening with all these people on the ship and then it's released this weekend that netflix may have stolen this from someone who wrote a comic a graphic novel in brazil back in 2016 showed it to everybody and has piece by piece kind of shown that uh it may be plagiarism. Now, mind you, a lot of it has to do with the ending of it. Mm. So I kind of got the ending to the spoiled for me in reading that. But in that discussion, it's been interesting mm. to see a lot of people defend it from Brazil. Only for me to click on these influencers and realize that they in the pockets of Netflix. So, Zach, I don't know what to make of that. Um, but how has the show been for you so far? Um, so I'm only three episodes deep, so probably not even as far as you are. It is very intriguing. I... I 
it's got a real assuredness in its tone. Like I feel like they absolutely know what they're doing, even if I don't know. What <laughs> they're, they're good doing, at that, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, and you know, it's it's pulling me along. It's it leaves you a trail of breadcrumbs that looks appetizing enough that you want to see where it goes. I I don't know if those payoffs are going to really hit, but. I really do appreciate, like you mentioned, that sort of eclectic nature of the cast. There's hardly a country in Europe not represented somewhere in this cast. Germans, Spanish people, Polish people, all sorts of people. Um, and and I think it's just, it, there's an interesting mix of agendas yes. going on here. They've really set themselves up well for whatever is going to happen next, and, and maybe they they fumble it by the end. But so far, I'm I'm on board, and I I want to f- find out what's going on. Yeah. What, what's what's on that ship? It's fantastic. I'm halfway through, but like I said, I kind of got some of it spoiled for me, and it, it just makes it. I, I'm very curious to see how they're going to stick that landing. Um, yeah, I would highly recommend this. I would recommend Dark, and I would recommend the graphic novel uh, to leave it up to people to decide on whether it is a lot like it or not. Um, so we'll see how that develops, but for the most part, I would put this on your radar because to me, this was the biggest uh, release of the week in terms of what I was most anticipating, so much so that I'm still saving a little bit, and as soon as we're done here, I'll be continuing those episodes. But that's nice, everything for nice. TV. Before we move on to the new to see in our recommendations, Zach, shout out all of the patrons. Yes, we got to give a shout-out to the Intercuity Plus patrons, those wonderful people who support our show. They are Ewan, Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Michael, Matt, and Mr. Kobayashi. We also have Academy-level members, and they are Tushar, Marion, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, Ricky, and What's Matter? And, of course, a big, the biggest thanks goes to our producer-level patrons. They are awkward. And you, Den Veer, thanks again for all the support you do. And a reminder that you, too, can become part of the Intercuity team over at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut discord, a sneak peek at some of our intercut episodes before we release them to the public, and, of course, the invitation to our monthly patron google meetings we had a really fun hangout with the patrons last week talking about some of our favorites of the year so far uh, and always just catching up on the latest we've been watching so please head over to patreon and support the show if you're enjoying our podcast beautiful how's that thanksgiving weekend we've been lucky enough to see everything that's on the horizon what are your picks for the week mm-hmm. oh man i mean without becoming like a broken record and and just repeating all the same picks over and over again. I'll I'll give a couple picks that are not necessarily ones we've talked about too much on the show. Uh, The Swimmers, one of the movies that I highlighted during our TIFF coverage is going to be on Netflix. I want to say tomorrow. Uh, And this is a really, really interesting uh, true story about a pair of Syrian sisters who, uh, who become refugees and immigrate to Europe in search of an escape from the civil war that is tearing up their home. And they also uh, go from becoming refugees 
to Olympic athletes. And, you know, it's one of those true stories that's almost so, so unbelievable oh, that it, you wouldn't believe it if it was a film, except it's a film <laughs> and, and I kind of believed it now. Um, it's There's elements of it that are maybe a little bit standard sports story, uh-huh. but there's also elements of it that I think are really profound and moving. Uh, some of the visuals that they create during the uh, immigration sequence are are seared in my brain. They're very haunting. A particular image about uh, uh, of of life jackets is just so. Uh, if that doesn't just break your heart, then you might need to check it out and get it fixed. Uh, there are really beautiful highlight moments in this film, even if overall it's it's mostly mostly solid, not spectacular. Uh, but yeah, the swimmers. I would recommend people check that one out now that it's available on Netflix. Oh, Another streaming recommendation: Nanny is going to be available on Amazon Prime. This is the Sundance Grand Jury Prize winner from earlier this year. Nikiatu J- uh, Josu is the director and does a phenomenal job of weaving in th- these elements of uh, folk horror into the story of a woman who is an immigrant and nannying for a upper class family uh, in New York and just the sort of like mix mix of like microaggressions that she deals with and larger, uh, you know, like societal pains Mm -hmm. that are on her shoulders uh, given her position. There's just something very haunting to how the story is told. And it's also uh, gorgeously filmed. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the movies from Sundance that really stuck with yeah. us. I think Alina like. really so, liked it too. Uh, I would definitely give her a yeah. I'd give a strong recommendation to Nanny now that it's going to be available on Amazon Prime Video. Nice. Uh, over in theaters because it doesn't hit Netflix until later this year, unfortunately. But if you are in a city, you should be able to check out White Noise this Friday, the latest from Noah Baumbach. Maybe Noah Baumbach's funniest movie? Certainly his most absurd, the story of a Hitler Studies professor and his his and his family's various existential crises. Uh, Adam Driver, so good in this movie. Uh, Greta Gerwig, amazing in this movie. Don Cheadle, Hilarious! One of the funniest performances I've seen this year. Uh, I've seen it twice. I loved it both times, and I want to see it a third time. So. You know what's good? When Zach's seen it two times in theaters before it's in theaters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, give a quick shout-out to Nope, because this is on both of our lists of the best movies we've seen we this seen year. Times. And it is going to be available... It's going to be available on Already Peacock. Already is? Uh, for... Yeah, already available for streaming on Peacock. So if you didn't want to go to the movie theater and you didn't want to spring for a VOD purchase, maybe you got somebody who's who's got Someone's a Peacock got login it. that you can uh, borrow and, and check out one of the year's best Easy. movies. And on top of that, they did a really cool thing in adding the 56-minute um, featurette that came with the Blu-ray, uh, and, and and they actually added it there so you can see the whole making of, which I think is it's fantastic. It's profound. So nope. Very cool. Double up on that one too. Uh, the menu is probably the 
one of the more entertaining movies in wide release. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but might talk about it a little bit more mm-hmm. later. Uh, but I really like the menu as well. And then one more pick, one of the, the only one of these picks that I haven't seen yet, it's Welcome to Chippendales, the long gestating series that at one point I think was supposed to star Dev Patel. Eventually it's worked its way to Kumail Nanjiani, I mean... and the reviews <laughs> so far are... Are, are pretty solid on this okay. one. Uh, the story of the rise of the male dancer Chippendales company. And, and yeah, it seems like a kind of different role for a guy that I, I find very charismatic, Kumail Nanjiani. Right. So I'm, I'm curious to check this one out on Hulu. Right. And I know we got the screeners for them, so uh, there should be something yeah. to dig into. Right? We'll see. It's going to be airing weekly, it seems. So have that on your horizon. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with all the theatrical stuff first. If you want to go out with your family and want to watch something a little different, I think one of the most interesting picks of this week is Bones and All. Go in knowing little as possible if you can. Uh, but maybe you read the book and hopefully it does it justice because Luca comes in reuniting himself with Timothy Chalamet, uh, but with a standout stand-up mm-hmm. performance from Taylor Russell uh, as two couples yeah. who hit the road. And chew on as much as they possibly can. Mark Rylance is a standout for me, though, in this one. I am looking for a supporting a supporting nomination easily for Mark Rylance. He was scary, bro. I, I was thinking back to this movie, and I didn't realize yeah. how scary it was. Uh, Carson had made a, a video earlier, and I was like, you know what? It was kind of scary for no reason whatsoever. So yeah. uh, I think it's a very effective movie, <laughs> and I think uh, because you have someone like Timothy on there, you know, they say there's no movie stars nowadays. But I'm looking at one right here, Bones and All. Check this one out uh, for the performances alone, but I think it's a story that uh, is going to stick with a lot of people for sure. Glass Onion, I know you got to catch uh, back. That is not Glass Onion. That is also Bones and All. <laughs> Glass Onion, you were able to catch over at TIFF. Big release for it. Yeah. We haven't talked since I've seen it, but Zach, this is awesome. Glass Onion is fun. It's so cool. Yeah. It's going to be on Netflix, but it, the boy it has it. that theatrical release that we've been saying is so awesome because Netflix uh, doesn't get the time of day at AMC and Regals and something happened. The gods have come together and they're going to make it happen uh, for one week. It is worth catching in a theater with everybody and their different reactions. It's funny uh, seeing how people caught on to certain things early and not and just the flips and twists and turns. This is a movie where it wants you to know that there's going to be a twist so that it could twist your twist, twist and conception. It is fantastic. He, Ryan Johnson is a person who, if I disagreed with this man, I'd never tell it to him in public. Uh, I don't. I, I've seen this man. It's so like he is the epitome of the person who has dealt with so much flack on the internet. And look at him on the other side, still tra- yeah. thriving. Oh yeah. I've seen this man rebuttal with people. You know, they say never respond to people, but damn, if you've ever gotten a response from Ryan Johnson, I have seen him school people. This man, he knows his stuff through and through. And this is. This He's is legit. the epitome of that movie. We have seen so many films that are trying to do something different in the genre, right? We ju- we're just discussing some in this podcast alone. He knows the genre, the murder mystery uh, element that he's in, and he knows how to play with that with a new, to a new degree. Uh, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. I can't wait to see this one again. Uh, I took out my Knives Out one. I'm rewatching and going through all the stuff that he did there. He knocks it out of the park with this one, too. Who was yours? Who was your favorite in this one? I mean, I always love the boy Edward. He's good. But, uh, I, I mean, Kate gets the fun part. Kate Hudson is the standout of this movie. She's out of pocket. Yeah. Unbelievable. Th- this is a spoiler talk that we're going to have to get into. Kate Hudson killed it in this movie. I want yeah. Kate Hudson as a supporting. The pants joke. Just the Alone. pants joke yeah. is, is enough. Uh, this is a great movie from Ryan Johnson. Uh, it, it delivers on all cylinders. Catch it in theaters if you can. 
Star Star Wars fans don't know how good they had it. Uh, would you say you preferred Glass Onion to I don't Knives care. Out, or you still, still you still like Knives Out one more? I, they're even to me. I, I one what okay. I will give you an answer by the end of this year, but but the fact that they're that close, I'm just gonna bask on the fact that I am I'm so appreciative of getting these stories. Oh, by the way, what's the title of the movie? In the movie, just Glass Onion. I love that. Not a Knives Out mystery or anything like that. He knows exactly what he's doing out there. Yep. Um, I can't wait to see more of these. Give me more and more and more and more and more. St. Omer. I don't know how the release is going to be for this one. It might be limited, but this was my favorite movie out of the New York Film Festival. It's not going to be for everybody because it's so slow. But it is a trial of a woman who reportedly, allegedly, supposedly murdered her infant child. And it's all of the intricacies that come with that. It is one of the best screenplays. It's a very patient movie, but it has some of the best performances. And one of my favorite shots, a stare. Of all time. Say no more if you can catch it in theaters. Some of you may need it at home. I think it's worth catching in theaters. Uh, a decent little pick right here would be Devotion. I know this isn't going to be a standout movie, but this is exactly what you would take, like, I don't know, your grandpa to. There are a lot of people who are not going to be going yeah. into Glass Onion or the menu and figuring out these little intricacies of classes, whatever else. Sometimes your grandpa just needs a movie like this, right? And it delivers on what it needs to be. Um, it is the story, the real life story of a uh, Navy fighter pilot and his story of being one of the first very decorated um, black pilots in history. Uh, Johnson Majors delivers. I have a whole Q&A that I want to post up from uh, Chicago Fest. That makes me like the movie more than the movie stands on its own, if that makes any sense. So uh, I think it's worth catching in theaters. I don't think you will be bored by it, even if it is by the numbers. But that's exactly what I think older generations need. So giving you a whole plethora of different movies to catch in theaters. Devotion, St. Omar for the artsy fans, Glass Onion for the mystery fans, Bones and All for you thirsty little buggers out there. Uh, And then all of Zach's picks for the thirsty people at home. You can watch Chippendales for, honestly, everybody, a thriller, The Menu. Nope, at the comfort of your own home. The comedy that is white noise. The mystery thriller that is Nanny. The I, I'm, I'm excited yeah. for this one, The Swimmers. I had reached out for The Swimmers and they never... Inspirational sports Inspirational talk. sports yeah. talk that's there. Um, but I would also throw, as a final little thing, Everything Everywhere All at Once has not streamed anywhere Ooh. and it will be coming to Showtime. It will, be the, it will be the streaming release. So if you want to stay at home and watch one of the best movies of the year, get a free Showtime subscription. Nice. Uh, but other than that, that's all of the stuff that we have this week on Intercut. Zach, give them the outro. Well, that's all for this week's edition of Weekend Must Watch. You can get more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Artwork and People. Find more You can find me over at Elmi Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast share is. I like Overcast. And then don't just listen to the audio feed, but subscribe to our video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment find new episodes of the weekend must watch streaming every monday and please uh, leave a comment like the video consider heading over to itunes to give us that much requested five star review shout out to our listeners in nigeria and the philippines for putting us on the tv and film podcast charts out there you know we need a couple more of those five star reviews we uh rotten tomatoes want some of those one star give us a two star just give us the traction zach zach wants a five just show up 
I mean, I kind of want. <laughs> I'd, I'd prefer the five. If we're I being prefer y'all listening. But, I appreciate but, that but, alone. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever the Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod, and you can get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests we feature here on Intercut. And also check out the link to our Discord in the description for this episode and join the conversation all week long. But thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, sweatpants. That's all I got.